Hey, Eurovision Song Context listeners. We are having a few issues getting our October episode out by the doozith, but never fear. While you wait, here's some bonus content from episode one with statistician Alex Manzeris. Welcome to this bonus content regarding voting bias and collusion in Eurovision. We're continuing our conversation with Dr. Alex Mantzaris. I see that this study ends in 2016. So, you know, a lot has happened since then. And um, I just wanted to ask you, you know, in 2022, um, Russia and Belarus didn't participate. Um, And six jury results were removed and they were replaced with aggregate scores Um, I see that the aggregated result was calculated based on other countries with similar voting records. Now, I know you can't speak for the EBU or what they did or how they did it. I don't know what magic goes on in um, the house of Osterdahl. But, uh, you know, what do you think that means, I guess? And and what does it mean for for, for the future? So, yeah, well, let's tackle the first one first. Well, the similar voting patterns from other countries, unfortunately, the, each country does have a unique voting pattern uh, every, because every country has a unique uh, geography as well. Yep. So uh, Russia is in a unique place that it's kind of at the center of the Eastern Bloc. Mm. Most countries in the region actually have a bias with Russia or a bias with a country that has a bias towards Russia. So removing that voting pattern and substituting with something in the neighboring country, since it's a hub for the region, isn't really going to replicate the results as would be expected if they participated. So that might create a voting impurity in there. But the thing is, is that it would probably mostly affect significantly only the neighboring countries. I would be surprised if it would have affected greatly the more Western countries. So in effect, it would have broken down the bias and would have upscaled the voting bias between other countries in the West. So it would have given a slight uh, degradation of voting for chances of the Eastern Bloc countries to win for this year. Yeah, okay. That's fascinating. With Russia out, and and Belarus out, fine, I'm looking at the, the countries that were accused of collusion last year. So Azerbaijan, Georgia, Montenegro, Poland, Romania, and San Marino. These don't fall into the, um, the blocks that we have from uh, 2000 to 2016, which are in your study. I don't know, of course, who colluded with who, right? I don't know that if Poland colluded with Rom- Romania or, or what. But, um, you know, what would be your guess on this? I mean, do you do you think this is common? Will this affect their voting records in future? I, I don't know. Like if you're if you're if your jury votes are vacated because, you, you know, the EBU has said you colluded. What's the effect next year, I guess, and in future? That's a very interesting question, and it's hard to say. So we did even, let's say, from the 1960s, 1980, we had Monaco part of a bias that was significant with France, which makes sense. Uh, and we did have even Malta participating in that from 1957 to 512 with Croatia and the UK, which also makes sense there as well. 
So unfortunately, this is something that I wonder if it's going to have a positive effect or negative effect. Mm. It's an assumption that we assume that every country produces a song of equally good uh, merit. But then it's another question is such as, can a country with 5 million people or 10 million people produce a song that has equally good artistic merit as one that has 60 million? And that if a country uh, receives bias from another country when they have uh, a in- music industry of 50 million people behind it versus a small one and the smaller country receives uh, significantly less or more votes, it's hard to say because we do not have music industry proportional voting as a representation. It's almost like comparing two economies here and what they produce and the bias that could be uh, prevalent from this. So it's we're not just comparing apples with oranges, we're comparing, you know, big trucks with uh, mopeds here. So it's hard to actually see if it's going to be a good idea to throw out countries for another reason, such as this might be their natural expression. It might be um, something that they naturally enjoy. And having countries leave, like when Italy left, that was not a positive thing. Um, and we don't want it to seem like a stringent thing, but we want it to be a more freeform uh, arena of expression and maybe we could try to rethink the voting scheme and how we uh, derive an award from this rather than actually see that natural inclination should be uh, uh, penalized and chased and people should be self-conscious about this. And you're looking at the 216. I did also some further work uh, later on in 2018 where I actually even looked at a network of neglect so there's the bias in which there's uh, important uh, information here, but we can also do the opposite to see if somebody has significant neglect, which is also an interesting question that I don't see many people talk about. So one thing is, is we can say, for, for instance here, we could say that Croatia neglected Sweden. We have significantly low votes. Uh, for the for the years uh, 1980 to 2000, that Croatia allocated a significantly low number of votes to Sweden. Austria had a significantly low number of votes to Norway, and Norway had a significantly low number of votes to Spain. And the UK significantly voted low towards Greece, and Greece did not vote much for Germany. So we can find a lot of interesting patterns here, even in the neglect. So yes, we can talk about the high votes that attract a lot of attention because that's what declares a winner, but we can also talk about why there's neglect as well on the other end of the scale, which I'm surprised doesn't receive that much attention because everyone's concerned with winning rather than being ignored. For instance, Turkey ignored Luxembourg, <laughs> right? Uh, but we don't really, and Ireland ignored Portugal. They neglected them. So there's a lot of different associations that we could also look at. And I wonder whether the neglect might be as important or possibly even more important than the bias there. And if we try to dampen people's expression of a bias, that that might actually cut out the fun. And maybe we should actually be looking at the the neglect rather than the bias of a positive sense. I will get to the blocks, actually, because I really want to talk about the blocks. So 
mm-hmm. the blocks as of 2000 to 2016, with 22 countries participating. Um, I'll just read them out for listeners who can't see them. Uh, so Southwest, that'll be Portugal, Spain, Malta, San Marino, Andorra, Monaco, Morocco, and Italy. Northwest, United Kingdom, Ireland, Belgium, France, Luxembourg. North, Iceland, Denmark, Norway, Sweden, and Finland. Central, which is gray, Germany, Austria, the Netherlands, Switzerland, Slovenia, Czech Republic, Hungary. Southeast, Greece, Montenegro, Cyprus, Albania, Bulgaria, Croatia, Bosnia, Herzegovina, uh, and Turkey. Uh, Oh, sorry, Macedonia, uh, uh, Romania, Serbia, Israel, Yugoslavia, and our last region that's east, which is Russia, Ukraine, Moldova, Belarus, Poland, Georgia, Armenia, Azerbaijan, Estonia, Lithuania, and Latvia. Fine. Um, So I'm the most interested in what happened from 2000 to 2016, just because of the just because the number of participating countries jumped. So is this the regime that you currently think that we're in right now? So this this study ends in 2016. Do you think this is accurate for today? Yeah, I do think it's quite accurate. What's interesting is that we have an Eastern Bloc with Azerbaijan, Russia, Ukraine, Georgia, and Armenia that all have a bias and collusion between themselves in this period. And they form a group with some overlaps because they connect through Azerbaijan that votes for Turkey, and Turkey connects to other countries that vote for Bosnia, and you get some overlap with Bosnia, with Croatia, Serbia, and then with uh, Northern Macedonia. And then we have some breaks in other areas of the Balkans with Romania, Moldova, and then you have Greece, Cyprus, Albania, and then you have the Nordic countries with a strong bias and a a very, very strong bias uh, between Norway and Sweden. Um, And then we also have the UK and Ireland. So there are different blocks. But what's interesting is that we don't actually see any of the gray countries, such as Switzerland, Germany, uh, Slovenia, and so on, participating in any of these uh, collusions because their their votes are spread out to too many neighbors Mm. and that the collusion cannot be evident. So although they have collusion... It's not significant because they're spreading it around too many people to be obvious. Whereas if you, yes. So that's the funny thing is that the geography actually plays a a role into hiding the collusion that actually exists because it cycles around too many countries. So it's not evident that it's actually within its, again, within its geographic region but there's just 10 of them and you can only give out so many votes. So once again, it comes down to the voting scheme on how many votes you can actually allocate to your partners in Eurovision voting crime, let's say, that you can delegate to. So it's, um, and then the funny thing is like, when there weren't that many countries, we had, let's say the 1980 to 2000, we did have a collusion between France and Ireland as well. And we had a collusion between uh, France and the UK. But as more countries came in, these votes from France got diluted. It's not as if the the bias doesn't exist. It's just that France now gives them other people as well. Yeah, okay. Okay, that that sounds very sneaky. Um, So we've got these six blocks. When I look at these blocks, I think everyone 
assumes, rightly or wrongly, that these blocks exist either because of some kind of affinity, so not collusion, let's just say bias. How would you dampen that effect? Well, that's that's an interesting idea about how to actually engineer the, the voting scheme in this way and the concern. So having everyone get a point kind of defeats the purpose because we want there to be a winner and we want there to be some kind of meritocracy there in order to drive this. So this is the question of what attracts the artists. So what attracted artists to participate so vividly in 202 and 206, etc., which were very successful competitions? So how do we drive the enthusiasm of the artist? That Because in the end, it's a competition. We have to think about what the artists want, which will drive the audience to come. It's a concert, right? So we have to make sure, do the artists want to be able to stand above and shine? And this is their moment. If every country gets a point, the artists might not be that interested to participate. If, you know, since Azerbaijan, Georgia, Montenegro, Poland, Romania, and San Marino were um, accused of, of collusion as opposed to bias this year, would you expect... Would you expect the same patterns next year, I suppose? I mean, I guess what I... No. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, these kind of penalizations do make an effect in that that'll, it'll have a ripple effect and it'll cause a type of anxiety there. And I don't think that that's good, though, to lay as a shadow over the competition, the participants. I really don't think that that... I think that has a, a more of a negative shadow and it attenuates this idea that there's actually a type of um, sort of competition but without that type of uh of, of gentle competition with a sense of humor to it rather than there's a fact that you know it perceives like there's a type of a threat of a, a theft oh, so i would yeah, actually yeah. work yeah they oh you stole it you stole my votes because you just had that collusion and that's not the way it should be and that we should actually be thinking about why some countries just don't vote for other ones when there was plenty of good ones. So they're looking and ignoring other countries. And we need to think about the voting scheme there and on the lower tail. We don't need to think so much about the upper tail. We need to think about the lower tail there. That's the problem, really. Excellent. I would be willing to have a full discussion about the lower tail, like on another day. It's like it seems like a source of endless fascination. If you were looking at the East Bloc, and then we'll get on to our submissions, Russia, Ukraine, Moldova, Belarus, Poland, Georgia, Armenia, Azerbaijan, and Estonia, if you had to guess, um, since Russia is out and Belarus is out, would you think that that bloc would would stay the way it is? I mean, minus the two countries, or would you think that they would, um, you know, the remaining countries would join the other blocs? Exactly. It will completely re-engineer the blocks and the biases. So chances are, just like what I was kind of alluding, the biases will always exist. Trying to stamp out the biases, I think, is a an effort that will produce more repercussions than positives. I don't think you're going to actually get rid of the biases, but actually make disgruntled people having to quench their thirst to display publicly their virtue for their neighbors which is not a bad thing. Uh, but the thing is that, yes, that uh, the green block, the eastern block, the way I have it in my papers, that will probably get reabsorbed. Maybe Estonia with Finland into the Nordic block. Um, I don't know about Lithuania. Maybe it'll go towards uh, and provide some bias towards countries like Poland that doesn't really seem there and for Germany, etc. Mm. So, yeah, it's going to really re-engineer that kind of voting blocks and 
and clusters that we have, so the maps will really change. Um, I don't really know if it's going to change to some degree the, let's say, I'm not 100% sure it's going to really change the outcome for other countries, other than it'll give them a small boost from the countries that have formed new biases. Sure. Okay. Okay. 